So let's pray, God, before we listen to the word of God. Father, we thank you for this privilege given to us to hear your voice, to hear what you want to tell us this morning. I pray that it's not about me, but it's about you. I want to come here on the stage. I want to give you the microphone so that you can speak through me. And we open our hearts to you, God, this morning to listen to what you want us to learn and to apply in our daily life. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So you're welcome. Uh, Friday, uh, I was here. We were uh, celebrating the life of our sister who passed on, Nancy Hammond. It was uh, a great experience for me and encouragement. I was listening to the testimonies. I was listening to people saying how she was so good, great, kind. And I was like, wow, what a life. What a life she lived. What uh, a life to copy, if possible. What an experience to apply in our lives. And, of course, the family is still grieving. We are grieving, too, because she's no longer with us. But those are circumstances of life. Those are, they happen, they will happen, and they will keep happening. Actually, pastor said, we'll be here next time for someone else. And I was, oh, come on, pastor. <laughs> but that's life. We will be here, of course, and it will keep happening. So, but it's a reminder to us that we need to be on watch. We need to be on guard. So when we listen what the family was saying here, uh, how they were praising their mom, their grandma, you were like, wow. So can we fight? Can we keep the fight until that day? Can we keep living faith until such an honor will be given to us when we, we are no longer there? That was the question I was asking myself when I was sitting somewhere in the corner over there. So uh, we lost her, but we know that she's somewhere confidently waiting the day of the Lord. And we need that too. Amen. Uh, so, of course, apart from Nancy, we have other brothers and sisters who can't even come to worship with us like we are. So we pray for them. We miss them. But you understand those are circumstances that are surrounding this life. And we need to acknowledge that it's part of life. Uh, so, but the question is, uh, this morning, so how do we keep faith in the middle of those circumstances? So how do we live by faith when they are raging, as the song was saying, when they are raging wild? against us. So how do we keep the journey? That's the question I have this morning for us. That's the question I want us to reflect upon this morning. Uh, when I was preparing this sermon, I just <clears throat> read on the website of Union Leader, which is the newspaper that is published around here. I think it's in Manchester. So how was the front page? The front page was like... Uh, Housing issue in Bedford. Uh, 
white supremacists. Like, that's the, the, the front page of Union Leader when I was reading on it on Wednesday. And gun violence, the number of overdoses is up in Nashua. That was the front page of Union Leader. And I was, wow, that's the life you are living in. Those are the circumstances, the situation, the conditions that we are facing nowadays. So the question is, how do we live in the middle of that context? So how do we survive even, if I can use the word, in the middle of this context? So how do we cope? So we don't need to <clears throat> read the New York Times because it's another story. The news, the breaking news all over the world, all over America, it's all about sadness. It's all about calamities. It's all about challenges. It's all about dreadful conditions of the humanities. So how do we live, how do we cope up with that environment? That's the question we're going to be looking into this morning. And uh, of course, it's a reminder that we believers, we should be living by faith. So I want to thank Leek Bauer who tried to read that wrong text that I uh, prepared. So it's long, I have to acknowledge that. So I will try to fly over. So I will not go verse by verse, but I will fly over that. And we will, of course, I'm quite sure that the Lord will tell us what he wants us to listen this morning. So one of the icons of suffering and pain in the Bible, it's a man named Job. He, is, uh, he has the book that when we read it, we understand what pain means, what suffering means. And in Job chapter 7, verse 1, he asked one question that I want us to ask ourselves this morning. What did he say? He said, is not all human life a struggle? That's the question Job asked himself in chapter 7, verse 1. So I'm quoting the new Living translation, the, that's the Bible I'm quoting. Is not all human life a struggle? It's a simple question. Even our youngest Caleb can answer it. <laughs> when he wakes up looking for milk in the morning, <laughs> he can answer that question very easily. All the human life is a struggle. So we have to understand that as we move on. So my message to you this morning, even if it's a struggle, even if there is a lot going on, so I want to tell you that let's keep faith. God is present. God is not off despite harrowing situations. God is alive and faithful. That's the message I have for you this morning uh, before we go over many things. So that's the summary. God is alive. God is faithful. We need to hold on him. Amen? Yeah. So, you want to keep faith in your waiting room? You want to keep faith in your doctor's appointment? You want to keep faith on your reclining chair? I visited my sister Beth. She showed me a reclining chair where she goes to manage the pain. I was like, you're going to keep faith on your reclining chair. So, that was encouraging to me. So, uh, we have to keep faith even while even when we are facing a loss, when you are having a loss in our families, we have to keep faith on our worst 
day and night. So when we talk faith, it involves believing in Jesus. It involves trusting on his promises, period. Because he's the only way to the Father. I met Jesus. He's the only way to the Father. So having faith, it is trusting his promises. It is believing in him, period. And I'm convinced that that's why we are here this morning, right? Say a big yes. <laughs> that's why we are here this morning, right? <laughs> Great, yeah. So, of course, you can say, oh, boy, he doesn't know what pain I'm feeling. Oh, boy, he doesn't understand how I'm feeling now. But Jesus understands how you feel. So, let's dive into the scripture. Of course, I understand that it's a wrong text, as I said. Uh, but uh, I will try to summarize uh, it. Uh, so, the, the book that the Lord or the Holy Spirit is leading us to this morning is Habakkuk. Uh, Habakkuk is a prophet among the minor prophets, uh, those who wrote uh, short text or some chapters, not like Isaiah. And Habakkuk, according to the history, he might have lived or prophesied in 612 before Christ. That's the 70th century, if you may say. And uh, we will be reading through the passage uh, of chapter 1. I want us to have a refresher in chapter 1, verse 1 to 4, so that we can take over from there. Habakkuk, chapter 1. Verse 1 to verse 4. So I'm reading. The oracle that Habakkuk, the prophet, received. In NIV, there are subtitles. And one subtitle says, Habakkuk's complain. That's important to note. Habakkuk is complaining. Uh, How long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. That's a question. Uh, all cry out to you, violence. That's an exclamation point. But you do not save. Another question. Why do you make me look at injustice? That's another question. Why do you tolerate wrong? That's another question. Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. That's a point. That's a period. Therefore, the law is paralyzed. And justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. That's the, the first verses that I want us to take refresher as we go through the whole, uh, the whole pl- uh, plan or scripture that I planned us to, to read. So, as I mentioned, the subtitle says that Habakkuk was complaining in, uh, in his first chapter uh, from verse 1 to verse 4. So, if you try to go through, you 
we'll see him, he's calling for help, he's calling for the Lord to intervene. He is looking over and he sees injustice around him. And that's the Israel nation that he's talking about. So he's looking in Israel, which is his nation and the nation of God, and he sees injustice around him. So he's asking the Lord, oh Lord, why are you looking at this and you're not doing anything? He is looking at the wrongs that is happening, and he is a little bit uh, upset in a way. He is looking at the strife and the conflict around him, and he is upset. He, saw, he sees the law, and he sees it paralyzed. And when the law is paralyzed, you can't expect any justice around, right? So that's what is happening in Israel by the time Habakkuk was having this prophecy. And that's the 70th century before Christ. And if you can pull that from that nation of Israel and from that context, and you bring it to the current context, which is at Jewett Street, what will you see? The same. Justice, injustice, the law, those are something that we complain about on every day, on a daily basis. And uh, I can say we are living the same situation, if I may summarize this. And Habakkuk was complaining to who? To the Lord. Oh, Lord, my God, aren't you going to do anything on those? So we do to complain, right? So we have a lot of things happening around, the politics, economy, whatever, whatever. And we complain in the morning, in our prayer in the morning. We complain in our evening prayer. Oh, Lord, don't you see what's going on in June? That's something that was happening with Habakkuk. And what happened to the complaint then? Uh, in the same chapter... From verse 5, uh, 6, 12, and 13, it was not a good answer. So when we complain, sometimes we are expecting the Lord to give us the answer, an immediate answer. We want him to act. We want him to work on our situation. But listen to what happened to Habakkuk. It was not a positive answer. Maybe he was expecting, okay, Habakkuk, I'm going to solve this. Don't worry. That's not what happened. What happened, the Lord answered in this way. Verse 5, for I am going to do something in your days. In your days, Habakkuk. The time you are asking me this, that's where and when I'm going to do something. And what's that thing? You will not even believe that thing. I am raising the Chaldeans or the Babylonians, the laughless and the piteous people, who sweep across the whole earth to say his dwellings, not their own. That's more upsetting. Yeah, so he was expecting something great, something good, an answer from the Lord, like we do sometimes and many times. And what happened, the Lord said, oh no, Habakkuk, wait a moment. I'm going to raise another terrible army to sweep across, to take the dwellings, they are impetuous, they are roughless, all the attributes, the bad ones that you can call, they belong to Babylonians. So they were coming to take over Israel. They were coming to destroy God's nation. 
That's not something good to listen when you are a prophet and when you are expecting something good from the Lord. So that's what happened to, to his complaint for the first time. And Habakkuk said, wow, let me complain again. <laughs> that's what we do, right? <laughs> we complain in the morning when something is not happening. We complain in the evening. On Monday, it's not happening on Tuesday. We complain on Wednesday. That's how we live this life normally. So, and then he started talking to the Lord. Oh, Lord, you are not from everlasting. I'm reading from verse 12. Aren't you the everlasting Lord? That's a question to the Lord. But also it's an answer. Yes, the Lord is over everlasting. <laughs> it's a, at the same time, it's an answer. My God, my Holy One, you will never die. That's a good compliment. You, Lord, have appointed them to execute judgment. That's okay. You execute them to punish Israel. That's okay. You, my rock, have ordained them to punish. Your eyes are too pure, that's verse 13, to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. When, why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Swallow up. Uh, why are you silent? While the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves. So that's, that was an, another second complaint that Habakkuk mounted to the Lord after the first one has not yielded to something positive. So he was asking, oh Lord, okay, my first complaint, you ignore it. You gave me another answer. That is not the one I was expecting. Then, let me complain again. Lord, you are everlasting. How can you let them swallow up us? So he's calling himself the righteous nation because that's Israel. That's the nation of God. So how can you let them do this to us? That was the second complaint. So as I said, we all complain many times. In different situations, we often see the secular world against us. We, community of believers, we see the secular world coming to us. We see them uh, waging wars against us. So let me give you an example. One, uh, my son, uh, he's called Quentin, he's nine years. Uh, uh, I think it's last week. He woke up in the, morning, uh, in the evening. He asked me, God, uh, can you go to the supermarket and... You buy me the rainbow clothes. Rainbow, you know, rainbow, right? Rainbow. That's some of, thing of colors, many colors. Rainbow. So can you go to the market and buy me rainbow clothes? Said, Why? The teacher told us to bring rainbow clothes tomorrow. <clears throat> you know, <laughs> then I started to think about it. And, oh, it's June. Okay, great, great, great. It's June. Good. So, I said, Quentin, go to sleep. We'll talk about this in the morning. Then in the morning, he knocked on my door up around 5 in the morning. Dad, <laughs> can you buy me the rainbow crops? Before? <laughs> because the teacher asked us to bring them. I can't go with normal crops. So I understand what was happening. And you understand too. We are in June, right? So it's a that month called that month. So, 
I was asking for wisdom. How can I go over it? How can I work on this? And then I had to bring Genesis. <laughs> Genesis 2. In the morning when I'm giving him the breakfast. Oh, okay, Quentin, let's, let's look something in Genesis before you go to school. So God created a man and a woman. You know what I'm saying? Then my big teacher was her sister Dana. So she's in the middle school. She understands what's going on better than Quentin. Then I have, I have to ask Dana to come in and help me to explain to Quentin why rainbow crops is not an issue for us. He doesn't need to wear them. He needs to go to school as a normal student without those rainbow crops. So Dana was there. He expre- she explained to him why and why we don't celebrate those things, why we don't believe in those things. And that was very convincing. I saw my son going to school happy. So we have a lot of going on around, and we can complain in many ways. But the question this morning, how do we stand in the middle of those circumstances, temptations, pain, conditions as believers? How do we keep faith? How do we live by faith when the secular world is against the community of believers? That's what is happening in this book. So let's uh, look what Habakkuk uh, said or did uh, in chapter 2 from verse 1 to verse 4. So he said this, um, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the rampart. I'm reading from NIV. Uh, I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. That's verse 1, chapter 2 in Habakkuk. I will stand on my watch and station myself on the rampart and... I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. Uh, that's, I want us to focus a little bit on that verse. Uh, when I was uh, preparing the sermon, I divided this book into four subtitles. One was the cry and the complaint. The second one was and a favorable answer, and the second complaint. The third subtitle was methods or methodology against by standing. That's where we are now. So what is the method, the methodology? We believers, we have to adopt. What is the attitude? We believers, we have to adopt when we are facing similar circumstances. Actually, it's not when, it's not hypothetical. It is a reality. So we are facing these dreadful conditions. So it's all over and over. It's here and there. It's out and in. So how do we behave? What is the methodology we use? What is the attitude we adopt in the middle of similar circumstances? So Habakkuk, after complaining, after all that we mentioned, He chose one thing. He said, 
I'm going to stand at my watch. Some Bibles mentioned tower. Some other Bibles said guard post. And stationing myself on the rampart. And I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. So what does it tell us? Uh, rampart, watchtower, those are items in construction, and I like this because in America everyone likes to, to build something, so everyone knows to build some stuff. So uh, you understand this language very well. Rampart, tower, you know, uh, guard post, but also through the history, I believe everyone has learned about the castle, the castle, right? Who doesn't know the castle? <laughs> everyone knows the castle. So you see the setting, the complexity of the castle, how it is built, how they used to build it bigger. You have the interior, you have the outside, you have the walls, uh, you have the rampart, you have the watchtower. All those are elements of the castle. So this gentleman, Habakkuk, he chose in the middle of this situation to stand on the watch, to stand on the tower. It might be a reason. Did he choose to go to the basement? No. Did he choose to sit down inside the, the court and watch? No. He didn't choose to go to sleep either. He chose to go on the watchtower. He chose to go on the rampart. Why are you going there? Who is there actually? Who lives there? Who goes on the watchtower? The guard. Yes. That's the gentleman that we see on the watchtower. So Habakkuk decided to be where that man is, to be at the tower. So I can see him climbing the stairs, going to the tower, and I can say, Habakkuk, you got it. You got it because where you are going, it is where you have the vantage point. That's where you can see far away. That's where you can detect the enemy coming to attack. That's where you can sound the trumpet. Amen. And in, in those situations, when the empire or the kingdom is under attack, one of the most important person, it is the watchman. It's not the servant who is pouring the wine for the king. One of the most important person is the watchman because the king wants to know what's going on. Who is coming? When is he coming? Is he coming on the day? Is there someone who is watching over to see if we are not surprised by the attackers? So that's where Habakkuk chose to be. And that's where he wants us to be this morning. So we have the conditions. We have the situations. We have the enemy attacking us day and night. But where do we choose to be? Where do we stand ourselves? On the tower. Our positioning matters. Our GPS matters in this situation. We don't sleep. We don't go to the basement. We don't go to the nightclub, young ones. Uh, <laughs> We go to the watchtower. I'm not saying go home and build the watchtower this morning or afternoon. No. Let's reflect about the watchtower in concrete terms. The watchtower for a Christian, for a believer, 
What can be a watchtower for us, for me, for you? You have 30 seconds to think about <laughs> what can be the watchtower for you. Our faith. Great. You see? Prayer time. Right? So, the idea is, wherever you're going to be, uh, on the porch, on the deck, on the couch, whatever, it should be somewhere you feel close to God. It should be somewhere you feel the closeness to the Lord. That's the point you need to adopt. That's the attitude you need to adopt in the middle of these dreadful conditions we are living in contemporarily. So why do you need to go there? Habakkuk went there to look, to see, and what he will say. Who will say? Who will say? The Lord God. So those are three verbs that we read in this passage. To look, to see what he will say. Of course, there is another verb that is not uh, mentioned. Because if he says, you will understand, right? So that's another verb that you can add on. So we need to find ourselves in a wronging to have somewhere we feel closer to God where we can look, see, understand what the Lord is saying. It's not just one Sunday here and you go home. No, it's an everyday thing. It's an every hour, if you can, thing. Where do you position yourself in the midst of this situation? It should be where you can look, see, understand what the Lord is telling you. Amen? That can't happen in a nightclub. <laughs> I don't know why I'm mentioning that, but I'm thinking about our young ones. Uh, I'm quite sure fear is no longer interested in nightclub. So, but young ones, <laughs> our girls, our daughters, our handsome boys, you have to be where you feel closer to God. You have to be where you can look, see, understand what the Lord is telling you in this situation that is not favorable to our life. So that's what Habakkuk chose, and that's what he, he did. And of course, he had the answer. Uh, he had another answer from the Lord. Uh, what was that answer? Uh, the Lord told him, I'm reading from verse 4. Actually, you can start from verse 1, or verse 2 of chapter 2. Then the Lord replied to him, write down Habakkuk, the revelation, and make it plain on tablets, so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. See, he's puffed up. His desires are not upright. But the righteous will live by his faith. So I want us to underline uh, or to put a line on 
the righteous will live by his faith as we are moving closer to the end of our sermon. So Habakkuk, yes, things are happening. It's great that you have somewhere to stand. It's great that you are on the watchtower. It's great that you are on the rampart. It's great that you are looking and seeing what is what I will say to you. But know this, Habakkuk, my friend, my son, the righteous person will live by faith. Yes, Habakkuk, you are complaining. That's the Lord. You are complaining about Israel. To tell you the truth, Habakkuk, Israel is not in a righteous position either. So I'm going to raise the Babylonians to punish Israel. And again, you are complaining about Babylonians. That's okay. But now I need you to understand this Habakkuk. I will punish the Babylonians. They are, they are not upright. They are puffed up. The enemy is puffed up. So I will punish them. Don't worry, Habakkuk. I will punish them. But also the Israel, if they prefer, I will punish them too. So my justice, it might not be your justice, Habakkuk. I will punish both ways. I will not tolerate anyone unless they live by faith. That's my recommendation to you, Habakkuk. The righteous person shall live by faith. An SBF believer, Christian, attendee, shall live by So, the last column, I said that I mentioned four titles, crying and complaining, uh, body answer, methods. The last one is accepting the will of God and an absolute faith. That is seen in chapter 3. So after all this conversation, which is a great conversation, bad and good, you know, tit, and tit for tat, then what happened after this? Habakkuk adopted an attitude of accepting the will of God and building absolute faith. That's what I recommend to us this morning. So after all of this, past the complaint, past the pain, past obstacles, past the challenges, after challenges, after all those situations, let's adopt the attitude of accepting God's will and have absolute faith in him. So how Habakkuk did, he, uh, uh, how, uh, how is he telling us that absolute faith? I'm reading from chapter 3, verse 2. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Lord, repeat them in our day, in our time. Make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. Do the fig trees do not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines. Do the olive crops fails, fail, and the fields produce no food? Do there are no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stores? Verse 18. Let's read it together. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. So, that's how Habakkuk ended this conversation, or how the Lord 
end this conversation on the other side. So Habakkuk managed to accept the will of God. He accepted what was happening. That's okay. It's up to you, God. Great. Your will is absolute and you do how you please. And then I even know the air of your deeds, the fame I know about you. Uh, one thing that is triggering, we often complain when we know what the Lord has done before to us. We know how Monday was great, but on Wednesday we cry. That's opposite. So we should live by those did that were so great, that fame, that faithfulness of the Lord. That's what we should live by. Amen. So Habakkuk then, at the end, he mentioned something like, you know, Lord, uh, though the fig trees do not bud. Uh, so when I was reading those verses, I was saying, wow, Habakkuk was not an American. He was not an American citizen. Because he's saying fig tree, crop fails, you know, vines and grapes. That's not our business nowadays, right? So we have the gas, we have the inflation, we have the economy, we have whatever going on, the politics. That's America. That's our America. That's our fig tree. That's our crop failing. That's what we can call ours. That's the context we should live by. So what happened? Habakkuk said, even if they will not be where they should be, at my desire, even if they are not what I want, I will rejoice in the Lord. Even if the pain is not to the level I want it to decrease, I will rejoice in the Lord. It must, it must be something hard in America, but uh, we are citizens of heaven. That's a reminder to us. So we, we are US, United States citizens, but we are citizens of heaven. We shall rejoice in the Lord. We shall live rejoicing and joyful in our Lord. That's the great message we have to learn this morning. So you may ask yourself about faith, uh, living by faith. But when we say faith, it's a, it's a strong belief in God. And that's the, dic the dictionary's definition. If you go to Oxford, faith is believing in God, strong belief in God. That's how Oxford defines faith. And I think that's what we have. We have faith. But living by faith, it's another addition. It's a verb in motion. It's an activity. It's an ongoing effort. It's not, a never, it's not an overnight event. It's something going on on a daily basis. So, so you can call yourself a believer. You can call yourself a person of faith. But living by faith, it involves speaking, thinking, doing, according to the word of God. Amen? And on a daily basis. It's not an overnight and say, okay, on Sunday I was living by faith. That's okay. I'm off church. It's all right. Uh, see you on Sunday. No. <laughs> it's Monday, Tuesday to the other. Wednesday ta -ta -ta -ta, to, the, to the other Sunday. It's a circle. Hallelujah. So we should live by faith as believers. Yeah. So um, I will read. Uh, uh, 
in Peter, the first epistle of Peter, from verse 1 to 6, then I will uh, be concluding the message. You can go there if you would like. The first Peter, verse 6 of, um, from verse 6 in chapter 1. First Peter, chapter 1, from verse 6. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Verse 7, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and the honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Verse 8, though you have not seen him, that's Jesus, or God, you love him. We have not seen him, but we love him. Even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an expressible and glorious joy. Verse 9, for you are receiving the end results of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Amen. I think that's why we are in this game. So we have to live by faith. And we have to rejoice no matter what. We have to glorify the Lord no matter what. We have to hang on no matter what. And the end result of our faith or of we living by faith will be the salvation of our souls. That's the end result of this business. Loved ones, live by faith. And of course, this conversation it concerns those who are saved. It's about those who are saved. Whatever we've been talking, it's about those who are saved. But if we are yet to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and King, so you need to do an extra step. You need to open up your heart. You need to let him be your King, accept him as your Savior, and then you shall start living by faith. So if you are here this morning with us and you are yet to receive Jesus Christ, please let this be your day. Let this be your chance to receive Jesus Christ. He will open his arms. He will receive you. He will give you a new name, a brand new name, and you will start the journey with us. Hallelujah. Uh, so you can connect with anyone near you. He will point you to our leadership. They are standing by to help you if you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for this opportunity given to us to learn how to live by faith. And I thank you that you have strengthened us. In, a, in, a, in one account, the disciples asked Jesus to increase their faith. Father, we ask you to 
increase our faith too. We want to grow up. We want to mature into those people who uh, can rejoice in the middle of obstacles, pain, circumstances, and terrible conditions. We want to honor your name. We want to live by faith in all that we do, we think, and we speak. I pray that you accompany this message, Father, your message to everyone who is here and to anyone who will follow along. In Jesus' name, amen.